Welcome to Real Truth Real Quick. My name is Rick Smith. I'm here with Todd Wagner. Hello, Rick. Hello, friends. Well, Todd, we have a question today that has really been asked a lot over the years and has asked, been asked in a lot of different ways and has to deal with the topic of pregnancy, specifically in vitro fertilization. Yeah. How does a Christian handle in vitro fertilization? Is that okay to do? Yeah, well, it's a, a great question. And let's just start by saying we know that this topic is incredibly emotional. Um, the, the desire to have children is God-given. Children are a gift from the Lord. And so the fact that any couple would want to be fruitful and multiply and, and uh, have the fruit of the womb is what the Scripture says. It's, a, it's a, a reward. You go, well, why would God deny me a reward? The pain of walking through uh, the death of a dream, the death of a God-given desire is immense. And so I know we're going to make mention and put the bottom of, of a ministry we have here called Shiloh, which we want to direct our friends to, that is a ministry uh, taken from the story in Scripture of Hannah, who could not have children at a particular time, and um, women and men that have been through this very topic gives them a chance just to grieve and to process this entire situation with them. But the question about in vitro fertilization, well, let's define the word because it's a word that a lot of people don't even know what it means. So in vitro, it's new Latin for in glass. Uh, vitro means glass. It is the opposite of in vivo or in life, which is where, or in utero, some would say, where life is normally um, brought into existence, where it is conceived, where a sperm enters into an egg and God creates human life. So uh, in vitro in itself, the fact that uh, life is created in a glass, the very first time, I think 1978, I remember a guy by the name of Luis Brown um, who had the first test tube baby. That's what they called it in 1978. Um, it has evolved radically since then. And the ability to create life outside of the womb is not expressly prohibited in Scripture, okay, in terms of creation. Uh, right now, uh, the, the ability to incubate life doesn't exist at all outside of the womb, but it can be created. In other words, conception can happen. We're not talking, by the way, about artificial insemination which is where because of a low sperm count or because of sperm that aren't strong enough to swim further up the fallopian tube where the egg is uh, usually impregnated, um, is when the sperm is placed in utero, inside the, the womb, and so it's still created in vivo. In vitro fertilization is where the sperm and the egg are put together outside the womb. I, I really can't say that um, the Bible didn't talk about that because it had no concept that that would happen, but there's no real violation of where life is created. The problem, Rick, becomes with what typically happens through the in vitro conversation when you go to a fertility clinic or you talk to a doctor. You're going to hear things like this. Listen, this is very stressful on your body. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's going to uh, introduce a lot of meds to your body, the toxicity and the things that your body is going to go through in order to produce a lot of eggs, which we want to harvest as many eggs as we can because we want to fertilize as many eggs as we can so that um, we can get eggs that are healthy. Part of the process is they grade the different embryos, which means they look at the strength of the human life and they grade them with letters. And they say, this one looks like it's better than that one, which is amazingly complex. Uh, and then they say, also, it costs us largely the same thing to do that with 10 eggs as it does with two. What they are typically doing in the, is they then say is, hey, we're not going to implant. If we, if we take 10, 15 eggs from you, and they're all viable eggs, and we uh, expose them to sperm, and they become life, we can't implant 15 children into you. I mean, listen, we all know that there was a woman in California who they took eight and put them in her, and there was nothing but a media uproar about the irresponsibility of that and almost the mental 
health issues that woman had, most doctors won't put in more than two. And often it's just one depending on the specific woman. All that to say, the issue of creating a fertilized egg, another word for fertilized egg is? Life, a baby. Embryo, another word for embryo is? Baby. Baby. In fact, what's the difference between, Rick, uh, uh, an embryo, um, uh, a fetus, uh, a newborn, an infant, a child, a teenager, and a young adult? Time. Time. Everything that is in a 45-year-old man uh, is in an embryo. And so what we're talking about doing is, is creating human life. And with in vitro fertilization, what typically happens is they try and create as many viable lives as they can because it's economically more convenient. It is more convenient to not expose your body consistently to uh, the toxicity of the meds to produce a lot of eggs at once. And it certainly is more convenient to do it in a way that statistically is going to lead to greater um, likelihood that you will in fact have a child. Now listen, being infertile is not convenient. There's nothing convenient about that. I didn't say that. I said the reason they encourage you to create a lot of lives is because it's better than having to do one or two at a time where we don't know if it's going to work. It's just as expensive. And what it does, Rick, is it creates a bunch of children that they can implant, so they have to put them into what's called cryopreservation. They freeze them. So the question is, what are we freezing? The answer is life, life. children. We would never bring a child to term and say, now that we've been through this pregnancy, I'm exhausted. Let's freeze them for a couple of years. Okay, let's make a little bit more money. Let's get the college fund all squared away. And then let's begin to raise that child. Okay, the reason people go through in vitro fertilization is because of the great need and desire to have biological children. Well, I, I understand that. But then don't suspend your children in biopreservation. Children are a gift from the Lord for us to steward, not for us to suspend. Okay, the scripture says, you formed me in my inward parts. You, you wove me in my mother's womb. The scripture says, my frame was not hidden from you when you made me in secret. I was skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. And then it goes on to say in verse 16 of Psalm 139, it says, you, your eyes saw my unformed substance. And then, watch this, Rick. It then says, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me. And we don't believe that God said, hey, your days were ordained as long as I can get to them. Mm -hmm. When life is created, life is to be stewarded, not suspended. Yeah, you told me one thing before we started about how many babies yeah. are frozen right now. Yeah, well, uh, let me just show you. It's interesting. 1978 was the first time I, I think I'm aware of in science created life in vitro. In 2002, there was 400,000. In 2011, according to a census of what they call snowflake babies, it was up to 600,000. Now, just five years later, most people speculate it's above a million. Okay? Frozen babies. Frozen babies. And so what we can't have is what I would say is people who love life, we can't have convictions of convenience. Again, being infertile is not convenient. But when we say, I care about life, so don't abort it, okay? I can't say, I care about life, I'll get to it when, it's, uh, when I'm available. And I can't really create it and use it right now because it's uh, not financially feasible for me to do one or two at a time, so I've gotta make a lot, and then I'll go back and get them later. Rick, I just, I don't see how we can support that. Yeah. And, um, and so I would say that our conviction has to be consistent, which is when you create life, you immediately steward it, cultivate it, cherish it, honor it, and develop it in every way you can. So Todd, there's gonna be a lot of people watching this video 
families that are they have frozen embryos now and they they might feel guilt and shame yeah. in this what would you say to those parents watching and listening yeah, in, in? I, I would say guilt and shame are the devil's tools not god's right um conviction uh repentance and right response in light of uh choices that we have made i would say you need to really go back and treat those frozen embryos uh, for what they are they're your children and i would do everything i could to uh, bring them like this is part of the problem is we don't know what tomorrow brings. It's why I can't say I'll go get them next month or next year. You don't know what your life, the scripture says, will be like tomorrow. And so we're just a vapor. We, we know people that have frozen embryos and, and one of the spouses died. We know uh, situations where women get um, uterine cancer and they can't have their babies. And so you go, well, yeah, but then somebody else can adopt my baby. We don't have babies so other people can adopt them. Okay, it's an incredibly courageous decision. If you have an unwanted pregnancy or a, a pregnancy that, that for whatever reason, wisdom would not have you be the, um, the steward of that life, it's courageous to, to have that life created for others. But let's be honest, we're not freezing embryos so other people can later adopt them. I love that some of my friends have adopted these snowflake babies. But let's just say this, if that was the reason that we were doing it, hey, God doesn't tell us to have babies so folks can adopt them, number one. Number two, there's a million of them, potentially. Okay, and, uh, and, and so there's decades worth of frozen embryos for people to go adopt. And I would just say, I know it, it's, uh, it's more taxing in your body to create an implant right away, uh, in a limited way. It's more taxing on your finances to do it that way. And it's more taxing on uh, the likelihood for you to be successful, but it's more consistent with scripture. So here's my counsel as a pastor, as a man who loves God's word and loves you. And that would be when if you create a life, you immediately cultivate it and stir it. Don't suspend it. Good stuff. Hey, thank you so much for sticking with us. We know this is a little longer than a typical episode of Real Truth Real Quick, but we really wanted to help address the issue and provide some pastoral support for you. As Todd mentioned, we have a, a ministry here at Watermark if you're in the Dallas area called Shiloh. There's an email address right below the bottom of the screen here. Where uh, and reach out to us, email us. I would love to personally help plug you in with that ministry or just grab a cup of coffee with you and help pray with you if we could do that or serve you in any way. And we'll see you next week on another episode of Real Truth Real Quick.